This episode of Clipped is brought to you by Riverside.fm. With Riverside, you can record studio-quality podcasts and video from anywhere in the world. It's time to say goodbye to complicated setups and hello to seamless, high-quality recording. Riverside records high-quality WAV files and up to 4K video files. You heard that right, people. 4K video all from your web browser. No more worrying about losing quality during the recording process. If you're using something else, you should check out Riverside because I think you're going to love it. I've personally been using Riverside for several years. I've been helping my clients record shows. I log in. I run the session. I also use it to record the audio and video version of this podcast. And I love that after you record, all the files are stored on Riverside's cloud. And so I don't have to worry about moving files around from hard drive to hard drive or to my laptop and then to my desktop. I simply log in and I can see everything that was recorded and I download those files and I'm good to go. And honestly, sometimes I'm traveling and I can use Riverside on my smartphone, which I love because the smartphone camera is killer and I can plug my mic in and I can have a fully functioning high quality studio right there on my phone. If you're not convinced, maybe this will help you out. Clipped listeners, if you're interested in checking out Riverside, use promo code CLIPPED to get an exclusive 20% discount on any individual Riverside membership plan. That's CLIPPED, C-L-I-P-P-E-D, to get an exclusive 20% discount on any individual Riverside membership plan. Go to riverside.fm and sign up today. What up, what up, what up, hottie people? Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Clipped, and I'm Eric, your host. Clipped delivers top-notch podcast production tips, valuable resources, industry insights, and education to help make every podcaster's life easier. My mission is to help you start, grow, and monetize your podcast. And this week, I've got something special for you guys. I'm talking with Anna Xavier. Anna is the founder of the podcast Space, And I connected with Anna about a year ago on social media. We actually got to meet in person at Podcast Movement Evolutions in Las Vegas this past March. Anna's a skilled podcast consultant, strategist, and coach. She actually started in the podcast game back in 2008. So she's got worlds of experience, guys. Her energy is infectious, and that's going to come across in this episode. We're going to be talking about video strategy. We're going to be talking about overcoming imposter syndrome. We're going to be hearing her story and her journey of how she founded the podcast space and the type of work that she likes to do and the type of people that she likes to help. She's impact-driven. She's got a great outlook on things. And I really think you're going to love this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. This is Anna Xavier from the podcast space. Anna, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Eric. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. I know we've connected online a lot, and then we met at Podcast Movement Evolutions in Vegas for the first time. So it was great uh, actually meeting you in person, hanging out, getting to know you on a more personal level. But the first question I have is, so where are you originally from? Before I even get into me, like I, I would love to say that I love your content online. I think that it's... I always 
tell people, stop using social media as a promotional tool for your podcast and start connecting with people because you're mm -hmm. in LA, I'm in Dallas, Texas, and we've been connected for, I would say, probably like a year now. And we got to meet and it felt like it wasn't odd at all. So like for that, I'm so grateful for for social media. But um, yeah, just just wanted to like put it out there. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny too, as podcasters, like, you know, and just nowadays in society in general, there's so much like social media uh, and you you don't you, you feel kind of connected to the people, but it's also like there's so much distance. And I think as podcasters, it you know, the whole thing point of podcasting is to connect with people. So I think uh, it's great to, yeah, to get to know you and actually, you know, have that face to face connection. Because I know a lot of us, whether we're working solo or a lot of us are working remote. So um, it is nice to to have that that interaction. Yes, yeah, same thing. Yes. So let's let's get into me. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to learn um, more about you. Yeah. Yeah, like I I guess I can call myself a little bit a citizen of the world. So I'm originally from Portugal, um, lived in London. And then, you know, typical story, uh, girl meets boy, boy's about to leave, boy's moving to the US and girl's like, I kind of get out. I'm over Portugal by now and London. I want to go somewhere else. And it was perfect, you know, kind of like the leap of faith that everybody talks about. And personally, I'm so risk averse. So I'm still surprised that I did it. But yeah, I I love it. I love the U.S. People are amazing. And so it's it's funny because you, when you start and that's another thing about podcasting is just you get to meet people. Um, you just kind of create a foundation for anything you want. Right. And it can take you anywhere. So I would just say moving countries, a podcast is a great opportunity to extend your your network. Well, first of all, I think that's awesome. I think I'm I'm jealous that you actually got to move well, you moving here, I, I've always dreamed about, and it could still happen at some point. Yeah. Like at least doing maybe like a summer in Europe, like three full months or, cause I think you just get like a change of perspective and a change of pace and coming here for you is probably really exciting. But yeah, I would love never been to Portugal or London. I've been to several other countries in Europe, but um, yeah. And I think that kind of just shapes, you know, who you are and coming here and bringing that with you. That's really cool. Yeah. I, uh, so I started in Portugal, I did a journalism degree in communications, so I got to understand not just how to write for, you know, like print and radio and like all of that, but also PR and multimedia. And I think that was so important for me to become who I am today because I was just like, okay, like if I am pitching, you know, my own podcast to a journalist, I know how to do it. And I think that so many podcasters think that their skill set is just like static. So like I at some point in my career in London, I was, you know, waiting tables or I was front of house just serving people and taking orders and whatever. Like that shaped me to become a really good customer service person and mm -hmm. making feel making everybody feel like super welcomed, especially when you're going into a studio. Cause at some point, um, I was a podcast producer for, you know, live podcasts. And some people are great when they first go into, you know, a place that they don't know, but some people are so nervous. And if you can make them feel at home and excited to be there and just super pumped to start recording and not feel nervous, it's just so important. And as a host, you really need to get your guests kind of on a good mindset once you like once you had a record, it flows totally differently. So um I think that understanding also Moving countries, people are so different. 
And working with, you know, people in the UK and especially London is almost like a melting pot, right? You have people from everywhere in the world. Um, and yeah, just like I speak multiple languages. So I speak Portuguese, Spanish, French. Um, I can kind of gauge Italian, but um, it also in English, obviously. Uh, but you kind of understand that the way that people think is different. Mm -hmm. And you also have a lot of compassion for interviewing people who are foreigners or people who are just from a different culture. And when we are in our own bubble, sometimes we can feel, I don't know, maybe not we're not that aware of cultural differences or just how to position our questions in a way that is clear. Um, and so, yeah, like in my own podcast, I always try to say a word and then, oh, hang on, are my listeners, if because my, my listeners are from, you know, a little, a little here and there. So everywhere from uh, the planet. And then, yeah, just sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, well, they know this. Let me just like use a different word, just like right, you know, at the back of that to make sure that everybody gets it. So I think that you bring, you bring a little kind of like a more worldly view of like what podcasting is. And also for your listeners, you're thinking maybe not everyone knows this. That background that you have probably coming here and eventually getting into like entrepreneurship, which we'll get more into later in the show. But um, yeah, it just teaches you how to deal, with, like you said, with like different personalities and just know how to connect with people from different backgrounds. Because I think that that can be challenging and making people feel welcome, uh, which is really important. So the fact that you have that, I, I think is rad. Um, so, okay, background in journalism, perfectly like setting yourself up eventually for podcasting, which you probably maybe knew at the time or maybe didn't know at the time. But I guess you launched a podcast in 2008. Yeah. So it's so funny because at the time we didn't really call it podcast, but like exactly all the steps that you did were like what you do for a podcast. So we didn't really have a radio station. Most journalism like schools, they have kind of like a closed circuit for radio stations, but just the building that we are, were in was kind of old. Again, Europe. <laughs> all right. And so they didn't have the capabilities to like really run a system throughout the whole building. And so they did, you know, what a podcast would be. So you had like you could uh, sign up using, you know, the RSS feed and all of that. So we we used to kind of like do the typical like it was, you know, almost like documentary kind of uh, kind of some features. It was shows that were, you know, I think it was like twice a month. But it's just like writing show notes, thinking about the title, like cover art, all the things. And so to think uh, about doing podcasting like in 2008 and doing it today, what people are like, oh, podcasting is, there's so many moving parts. There are, yes, not saying there aren't. But today we have so many tools that provide you an opportunity to start with minimal knowledge on, you know, audio engineering. And then they they can talk to people like you when they're like on the next step. But that is not a barrier to starting. If you, you know, um, back in the like two, three years ago before, like on Anchor, you you edited the waveforms. I hated Anchor. I never used it. I remember I edited it early days of Anchor. They didn't actually become clients, but I did like one or two episodes for them. And it mm -hmm. was so like out of sync and just it was like a nightmare. And they're like, yo, we used Anchor. And I know Anchor was back then. They might still be, I don't know, trying to position themselves as like a riverside. It was like an all-in-one thing. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. And, and and I to me, there were people that were doing it like in a very safe way. It worked out. But people were like trying to mix, like 
tracks under their like <laughs> voiceover and it was always like the worst because you like you I cannot hear you the music is so loud so anyway they could still get it out and you know like not a problem but I feel like great ideas were born and then improved just because people were like oh okay like I even though I'm not a journalist I'm not a producer I can do it and um just quickly touching on like why am I not a journalist today like one because right during my internship, right before finishing uh, my journalism degree, my mentor was like, Anna, I think you have too much energy uh, to deliver news. You're holding in so much <laughs> personality. I think you should you should really look into doing like some DJing or like voiceovers. And I you know what? I always felt that. So I am so grateful for him to be truly honest with me and just say, hey, like you can go down that path, but I think that you should try something else. So that's exactly what I did. I um, went into a, a small town radio station and I had the afternoon show. So I experimented so much. They trusted me with so much. And I'm like, <laughs> how was that possible? That's cool. And that is in English or Portuguese? It was in Portuguese. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. And uh, like about a year after that, my my best friend's like, Anna, I got accepted in this illustration school in London. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, the land of the BBC? Heck yes. And so I started looking into like different schools. And there was a music production school that had a an advanced radio production course. And I was like, oh, it's just th three months. Worst case scenario. Again. My risk-averse person is just three months. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And yeah, a month in, I was like, I love London. This is amazing. And so I stayed. I was able to collaborate on a lot of really cool projects, but everyone has the same idea as you. So it's really hard to, to get into radio. But I learned about something that I want to talk about, which is hospital radio and community radio. Okay. Let's, let's hear it. I'm not familiar with it. Not a lot of people are, but I think that is really interesting because it just helps you understand online radio back in 2011 was huge, right? That was like something that got people migrating into podcasting really quickly. And um, hospital radio is a closed circuit radio. So it's made for the patients of the hospital. So there's there, it's run by volunteers. So hosts are volunteers, people who are like going around the floors People who are like bedridden, they take their requests, they talk to them, they hear their stories, and then they take it to the hosts. And then they like talk about like, oh, you know, Sue, who is, you know, on the ninth floor, uh, she is requesting whatever song because, you know, it was a childhood song that she loved. So it's how cool is that? And I think that I, I took all of that understanding of online radio and hospital radio and community radio into my career because there's so many different ways to do podcasting and merge all of these concepts that I don't think enough people know. And I'm just like, this is so cool. Yeah, so having that understanding. And then we got to like collaborate with museums and all of that to do outside broadcasts. So we would like set up a mini studio and we would like talk to residents and collect things for a museum and then for like the local, just the local officials. And it was just so cool. Like that kind of thing. Today, I think it was so ahead of time. My co my friend was the one like applying for grants and doing stuff like that. So I got to merge like then my experience in digital marketing in a nonprofit and doing that. And I was like, I love working with impact driven like initiatives and, you know, entrepreneurs. And that shaped me so much when I moved to the US after working in digital broadcasting, understanding like, oh, I really want to work into that 
side of broadcasting, like helping people see their message, but also do quirky things. Why not? Yeah, that's really cool. Like your story, who would have thought that uh, all this was setting you up for where you are today? I guess that's kind of all of our stories at some point in time. Uh, yeah, our past experience leads us to where we are. Okay, so yeah, you're you're doing that. You're in London crushing it, it sounds like, and just having a lot of fun and learning a lot, which is honestly like one of the best parts of life is those experiences with those people that you knew back then. And I feel like when you're younger too, everything's so like exciting and new, you know, and it's like yes. you're doing like cool events and you're involved with the radio. And so you're doing that. And then eventually you meet your current husband and you come to the US. Um, there's some pieces in between, I'm sure. So what was that like? Did you, as soon as you got here, were you like, I want to keep doing this? I want to keep working in this space? Or did you have to pivot for a little bit while you guys got settled? Or kind of what was that transition like? Yeah, so when I left the UK, I was actually working for a nonprofit in digital marketing. So I really got to understand social media newsletters. And that's how I really understand a lot of how podcasting can complement and can work uh, for small business owners, because you're like, you only have limited resources, you have limited budget, you you can only do so much, right? So I was like, okay, I did that, but I really didn't like it. I was like, okay, like I have that skill set, but I wanted to go back to doing podcasting and, you know, uh, just everything that related to broadcasting. And so I moved here, we moved and we didn't, re we had to start from scratch, but we were so lucky, you know, when you're somewhere and things are like, well, I was doing online community radio, but like that wasn't that wasn't necessarily like what was paying truly the bills. And so I was like, OK, like, I know I love that, but I want to make sure that I, now it's the, the the thing that pays the bills. So we got connected with a friend uh, of a friend and he's like, oh, I'm doing like this um, con this apartment in a PR firm. We are creating the first like content streaming podcasting department and we need someone who knows graphics design, knows social media, and can run shows. And I was like, this is perfect. That is me. So it was super interesting because we got to take the department from, this was when, hmm, 2018, maybe? Yeah, 2018. So podcasting was not yet exploding. It was still like, people were like, this is something, but it wasn't, there wasn't like a good roadmap. So we took the department from like having like three shows a month to having like, I don't know, maybe 50 shows, in the independent shows per month. It was wild. So we started with one, one simple studio. We were like testing things out like, okay, how do we stream to Facebook? How do we stream to YouTube? Is this an audio only show? Like, what do we do? Into like, oh my gosh, now we have like eight studios and the, tri the team grew to like, I don't know how many people were like maybe 12 people or something or eight people. So a lot more. Right. And you're like, damn, this is big. But like anyone else, <laughs> you take the time and you're like, I had a death in the family. Uh, both my husband and I are European and we thought, well, it's not going to work for me to, you know, just have the two <laughs> weeks a year vacation time. And I was like, I want to go back home more frequently. And so I was like, well, I guess I have to start my own company to be able to work from anywhere. And I was like, the more I, again, risk averse person, I don't know if I want to do that. But then I was like, you know, let's see. Like, I, I am the kind of person who thinks I rather try it and fail than spend my whole life thinking, what if, right? Like, what if I tried it? And I think that we all have to assess how far are we willing to go or for how long are we willing to go to try new things and see if they work. 
So for me, it was like, look, I have savings. And if I have savings and I can try this, why not? January 2020, I launched my company, specifically working with entrepreneurs who are impact-driven. So people who love to educate their community or their business idea is about making the world a better place. And I was like, yes, these are my people. And then, you know, March happens, <laughs> COVID happens. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, right after you launched. Wow, yeah, that that had to have been scary. Made you like second guess? It made me an understand like, okay, what can I do from from home, right? And because I, I'm, I'm not incredibly passionate about, you know, producing content. I love talking to people. I love engaging with people in like, I was pretty much the person who guests remember me because I was like, what can I get you? You're a rock star. And then <laughs> I was like, hey, like I have these list of people who I engage through time. Let's like reach out. So something that I think it's important for listeners to think about especially if they're launching their podcast, is honestly, like, reach out to your dream guests. I reached out to people who I met and I was like, these are people that I would love to serve as a podcast producer and help them with their all strategy. Let me talk to them. And it was so funny because they're like, actually, we still remember you and we want to start a podcast. So it was just had the guts to talk to people who you really think would be a good fit, even if it sounds unrealistic. And it may work. Like I started my business and I approached a ton of people that all of them were good fits. And I'd say at the time, it was like a 60% success rate, which oh, is really good. good. Very good. Yeah. I lost some contracts that were about to be signed, but I also gained contracts that I was not expecting because people were like suddenly at home and they're like, what do I do? I guess I start a podcast finally. <laughs> so that was really cool. And then I, I did that for for about a year and a half. And I'm like, I want to get into the learning and like teaching because I'm a teacher at heart. I love mm -hmm. um, helping people. And so I started migrating my business into uh, the online courses and more like consulting. And that has been what I've been doing since. And I just love it so much. So yeah, that's that, that has been such a like a windy road, but exciting though. So that's the podcast space. Was it called the podcast space back then? Or were you just yes. Anna Xavier? Okay. All right. So I launched the company. I knew that I was like, I don't want to be my own brand because I actually initially I wanted to be an agency. So do the marketing, do the editing, do the show notes, do all the things because I was like, I want to work and create a work environment that is exciting uh, for people to have something that is purposeful to work in. Right. You want to work in something that excites you. And sometimes as a freelancer or as a, you know, collaborator you, you don't get to do exciting stuff and I was like I want to bring people that like I know are aligned or that like maybe they're not working in something exciting and I want them to to be a part of this so I I knew that I wanted to create something that would be like bigger than me and it's so funny because I was going to call it like Eric I I am unconsciously competent at so many things and branding is one of them and I remember looking at like you know it was I think I was going to call that like podcasting 360, like a boring name like that, right? And I was just because I was like, oh, marketing, you know, like a strategy, production, coaching, like it's like 360, something yeah, that you yeah, need. I kind of like that. Right? It makes sense. <laughs> and, and I go on to like look for the domains and it's like $7,000 to buy this domain. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to brainstorm something else. Uh, <laughs> and then I just looked for, I was like, oh, the podcast space and just like 
direct download from the universe right there. And I was just like, let me see if this is available. And the podcastspace.com was available, but podcastspace.com wasn't available. And I was like, I'll go with this. Um, and yeah, and it, I just did it like that. All of the things like my photography, all of these things were kind of like accidents. One of my good friends, is she's a photographer. She goes, I have an opening tomorrow. Like I have a slot. Do you want to take it for this discounted rate? And I'm like, sure, I'll need photos for my website. And that is one of the things that branding and looking professional just changes your branding online. So if you're a host and you're thinking, should I invest in branding photography? Um, yes. Or at least get like your very talented friend to do a photo shoot with you on your on the best iPhone you can find, right? Like, because it's the difference between looking like an amateur and being taken seriously as a podcaster or a business owner. So I knew that those those things needed to be like the foundational, the first steps of my business and really create a, a website. I Again, I know how to create a website. I'm not a developer, but I'm like, I know how to work these guys because on podcasting, when you're like working in digital marketing, you have to work. You in learn bed so things. much. Yeah, you learn yeah. so much about like every little aspect of it. So I was like, this is great. Like I, I love design and I love interior design. So like the background, if you're listening to this, you're not going to see this. But there's a cute neon sign and there's my grandfather's recorder behind me, a tape recorder from the 50s that I hauled from Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> on my suitcase, on my carry-on suitcase. Never again. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Then there's like a cactus and like a deep green color that is part of my whole branding. So, yeah, so everything in my company has been really something that I was like, how can I blend what I love and really make it to the best of my, like, just, just take advantage of it, really. That's honestly, like, Number one reason you will stand out from the crowd is like really honing in and everything that you're really good at and and making your podcast like a part of it. Do you find that a lot of people you work with are so focused on just the podcast itself that they kind of forego the branding or do they think branding is expensive or like, yeah, I would love to hear some tips on like how to brand on a budget or how to really uh, create a brand that encompasses you. Because I agree, I think the brand is huge and it's also huge. And it's also like the first thing people see. And so you're trying to stand out in this sea of tons and tons of people. Uh, It's definitely important. And I think it can be something that people neglect, especially starting out because um, there's so much else they have to do that it's like, oh, well, I'll get to that later type of thing. Right. Yeah. I think that branding is one of the main important things. It's funny that um, I, I always advise clients, create branding that one is consistent, like pick a font, like pick two or three fonts and stick with them. Simple, pick, very pick simple. Yeah. Three, yeah. Yeah. Pick three colors, stick with them. Like my main colors are yellow, white and green. And I know that when I post on social media, people stop and recognize my brands, recognize my colors, recognize my fonts and they engage with the content. So that's something that I will say. I have people at podcast events coming to me because I... I, I've been consistent for the past three years. They're like, oh my God, Anna, I love your stuff. Um, you know, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. Like that's something that I think people really understand when you are serious about what you do. If you mm-hmm. create content that looks professional. And again, Canva, do not overcomplicate it. Canva has great stuff. 
Canva, there's so much cool stuff you could do with like a click of a button. Yeah. And honestly, like I even made my uh, my podcast uh, ID. ID I was going to like go into lingo. Uh, my podcast intro and outro on Canva because they have like sound effects and they integrate with YouTube. And so as long as you like connect your accounts, um, you're good with copyright. So um, I created something super simple, but looks really good and super slick. And I'm like, I'm not going to craft something from scratch. I'm going to go to Canva. It's just really understanding less is more. So you want to make sure that your fonts are consistent, your colors are consistent, and you have really good photography. Because honestly, like selfies just kind of look a little amateur, right? Like, just it's so simple to not have an arm sticking out on a photo, right? That just builds a lot of trust with with a listener. And again, obviously, it comes down to quality in your content. So that's kind of like the outward facing. But the things when you're working on it, like making sure that your content looks um, cohesive, that it is something that you love talking about. The, going back to your question, I kind of like went on a little bit on a tangent. I'm sorry. Okay. I <laughs> That's the thing. When you really enjoy the people that you're talking to, you're just like, man, we're just vibing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I like about podcasting. And I try to pick people for the show that we get that energy. Yeah, for sure. So thinking about like, the big mistakes that podcasters do, apart from like not focusing on creating cohesive, like and a, a cohesive online identity, mm-hmm. is uh, trying to be someone else, right? Mm. Those are like the intrinsic things. Like we think that we're not good enough, and so we try to copy, you know, our competitors. Mm-hmm. I don't like using the word competitor because I think everybody as peers. Like I think of you as a peer, and mm-hmm. I love that we got to collaborate, but. I don't try to be you. I don't try to be someone else. I look at what are the things that people already say that I am great at and I really hone in that. And it's that's when you create an effortless uh, brand online because the peop- the person that you are individually and then professionally is the same. And so there's no, to me, there's no persona, especially in radio, people like being, have like having big personalities. But then when you meet them, they're like way toned down. I'm like, it's kind of like almost disappointing. So that's something that people always tell me like, oh my gosh, like you're just like, you're like, I see your social media content. I see your podcast and you're the same person. Like, yeah, like that's how you create a a brand that feels authentic and true to yourself because you're leaning in, in all your strengths. You're never thinking, am I, am I being professional enough? Just like, I'm just being me, right? Like I'm being as professional as I would be uh, talking to someone if I'm in a meeting or whatever. But I'm also making sure that they feel that I'm almost like their bef- best friend that kind of happens to be an expert in podcasting, <laughs> you know? And I think that that's like a really good starting point. Yeah, I think too, like the way you're explaining it, it's like it almost kind of happens naturally, like being yourself and then, you know, incorporating that into the show. What's your take on this? Because I think sometimes you get going, you maybe do like six episodes or eight episodes, whatever it is. And then you start to realize like, oh, like I, I, I'm not sounding like I want to sound or pivoting with their vision or their vibe or their tonality. And the people you that you work with, do you find that that, that, that happens a lot, that they set out down one path and then once you start working with them, they really kind of hone in and be like, oh, like I need to make some changes or little tweaks that you give them and then that helps them improve and get closer to their goals? I think that it's important to understand that one you're going to suck at some point. And like in some point of the journey, you're not going to be great. But also if you start and you don't see any progress, that kind of is not good. Unless you are professional already, right? Like where you all, but even professionals, we grow, right? I think that it's starting from a good point of understanding, okay, this is, you know, something I'm comfortable 
doing right now. But I know that when I get to episode 100, I'm going to look, look back. And I think that's a fun exercise to do is just to listen back and just like go through the cringe, right? Like, and like oh, yeah. my God, I, like yeah. I failed to do this thing or I didn't like you always have the chance to grow no matter what. Right. So don't think that this episode has to be the best possible episode. I do what I like combining really good episodes with the MVPs, like the minimum viable products. Right. And I think that as a creator who's doing all the things, like I'm doing all the things for myself, sometimes the podcast, I finished listening and I was like, man, I misspoke here. I'm not going to record the podcast again. Everybody misspeaks. I misspeak all, like, even in conversations. And so I can take the show notes as an opportunity to say, hey, by the way, I mentioned this. That's not what I mean. Or sometimes I don't even mention it because people know what I'm saying. So it's just like, if you're focusing obsessively over that one thing, you're never going to create a podcast or an episode, or whatever it is, right? So start with something that you're proud of, that you're like, okay, I set up the standard that I'm okay with publishing. And and again, sometimes I, I just know I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but I'm okay with that because I don't listen to every podcast and think I love every podcast I hear. That's not the case. So I work with clients on figuring out like, okay, what are you comfortable doing? But really, it's all about the mindset. It's like, do you really think that your mission is about saying all these words correctly? Or whatever it is. No, you're like trying to help someone with their message, with, you know, the passion, making sure that they start really leaning into their strengths or creating like, for instance, something that I like doing is looking at the content and thinking, okay, what are what's called super episodes? I always make sure that the questions that the client always gets all the time are answered or something that is their community has a big misconception about that would create a ton of content around there because then you could reuse that content time and time again when you're, you know, like in a conference or you're in a conversation. Oh, hang on. I have a podcast about that. Let me send it to you. Because then you're repurposing the podcast in more than just way. It's not just like for marketing. It's not for, you know, your website. It's really a part and effective tool of your business. And honestly, saying like or ums every now and again, it's not going to, you know, make someone be like, oh, cannot stand them. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I edit some of mine out, but I leave them in. I say, oh, I swear a lot too. And I initially didn't know how that was going to play for branding or professionalism, but now I just leave it in because I don't know how to talk without doing that. So. Yeah. And it's almost like a mental like limitation. If you know you're like, ah, damn, I can't, I can't say it. I cannot curse now. You just, you're almost in a different state and you're not going to be focused. You're going to be focusing on the wrong things. And again, people that want to do business with you, I swear a lot too. I don't swear a lot on my shows, but like in person, my husband's yeah. like, Anna, seriously. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Studies show that people who curse are perceived as more authentic as people who never curse. So, Eric, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too, whether it's swearing or whatever kind of um, just little tick or, or a little personality trait that you have that you, you may not even know you're doing. I think that's one of the things about podcasting is like people, they find their people and there's something about you or me or whoever else that podcast that some people like. And like you said, not everyone's going to like you, but you'll find like the people that that vibe with you and that feel that energy. And I think that's kind of one of like the, the ultimate goals really is to be yourself and present your content or your information in a way that obviously it's not like super unique. It's probably been said before, but you do it in your like unique way that people can relate to, you know, and they like that. Yeah. And I love what you said, because honestly, a lot that's one of the main reasons people get stuck because they're like, oh, my 
process or my concept is not unique enough. And I'm like, look, just go from the for the assumption that everything you've you anyone has ever done has been done like by someone somewhere or thought eventually through time, right? Like most people do not create something from scratch. We take inspiration consciously or unconsciously from something else. So knowing that we're like, okay, I'm just going to give my perspective on that one thing. Just takes the pressure of just like, I have to create the most unique thing. Because it's not about that. It's about connecting in a human, in kind of like the most human way to someone else. And so giving our perspective on something is, you know, you have shows that break the mold, sure. But in a way, I like to think that somebody thought about that eventually at some point. And maybe didn't act on it, but thought about that. So just just thinking. But I'd love to ask you, Eric. Now I'm like, ooh, I, I know that we didn't talk about this, but I'm like switching seats for a second. Like, what was your biggest insecurity before starting the show? Like things that you're like, hmm. Should I should I go down this route? Like, is it safe for me to do that and still perceive be perceived as a professional? You know, I think the biggest thing for me, well, it's kind of, it's two things really. One is like imposter syndrome, which I always struggle with that big time. Like, I was like, what makes me think that like I should be talking about podcasting or coaching people? Like, I don't know that much. That's one. And then this other one, which is stupid, but it for me, it, it makes sense is I'm from LA in, in a city called Burbank, which is kind of like a small town within LA. It's kind of got like the small town vibe. And this is so ridiculous. But the thought of like all my close friends and family, like hearing the show, just being insecure about that, then also being insecure to like tell them about it and promote it to them. And everyone has their thing, you know, but that that was part of it. I knew I could get like a good recording I knew I could edit and mix the shit out of it, like, and make it sound good. You're the behind the scenes guy, right? As well. Yeah. And I have a small team. I have a couple editors and stuff, but I think that it, it always does still feel like it's a very like solo paneur type of thing that I'm doing. And yeah, when it's just you, there's a lot more pressure for some reason. Like I uh, played in bands my whole life and have toured and played on stage to hundreds of people not really nervous at all. And I think that's because there was like a, a other band members or like a team. And this podcasting was the first thing that like I did solo. And I think that pressure and just that insecurity of like just me doing it was uh, something that held me back. I should have started years ago with this. It would have been like way further along. <laughs> I love hearing that because I think that we all, we all feel like an imposter unless we are completely so there's like the three stages of being competent at something you're unconsciously incompetent which is how people who just like you know what i'm just gonna start a podcast and figure it out and sometimes these are the people that are wildly successful because they're like they have no inhibitions they're just like whatever like it's fine and then there are people that are consciously competent at it which is people who are like understanding like, oh, okay, like maybe I should start a podcast now um, because it makes sense for my next phase in my in my business. And there's people like you and I who are unconsciously competent at what we do. And we get into the uh, imposter syndrome because we're like, we still don't know so much. And and you're just like, oh, man, like I can make this perfect. And like, hmm, how will people perceive me? And then you get stuck into that. Like, I know that like there's always so much more to do, but you already forget that you know so much that you're so ahead of everybody else, but you still struggle with those emotions of like, just thinking that like, there's still so much on the road. So I, I can relate to that. We all feel like when you are like aware of your skill set and you know how to do things right, you kind of start feeling like 
an imposter because you're like, man, like I look up and there's still so much to to, you know, like to aim for and all that. Like, am I ready? Like, maybe I should do more. <laughs> and, and sometimes just a side note, like these are the small things that as creators, we're so afraid to put out there. And these are like the episodes that create the biggest connection with our listeners and with our viewers because they finally get to see like a small side of us that isn't perfect. And they're like, oh man, like you too, you suffer from imposter syndrome. Yay, imposter syndrome crowd. <laughs> yeah, if they're at that point in their journey, just knowing that like everybody goes through that and it's okay. You eventually, yeah, you learn from it and you grow. It's just part of, of the process. Do you have to coach people through that? Or do you, are most of your clients, are they already past that? Or does it is it a mixed bag of people struggling with different things for their podcast? Normally, yeah, like people are a bit insecure. It takes a minimum of 20 episodes to start building your, your confidence as a host. And solo episodes, man, I, I don't know about you, but like I always struggle to sell solo episodes to hosts, female hosts. They're like, what do you mean me and the microphone and just the two of us? And I'm like, yeah, you're li- you're, you need to be talking to the listener. I know it feels weird, but you have to do it. Like, Oprah is probably the exception of like someone who is. But again, she also does like solo segments, right? Like she can get that one on one time with the with a viewer. And I think people think that, oh, I'll just be a great interviewer. And that's all that it takes to build to build trust with listeners. Like, "Ah, not really. So you do solo stuff, too. I would like to know, like, do you find that harder? Uh, And like, what's your prep process just for people listening? Because I a lot of the audience here, they're new to starting podcasts and they're looking for different roadmaps. But like, do you script a lot out? You strike me as more like bullet point oriented and then just riffing or like, what's your style? Michael Podcast is a combination of uh, solo episodes with interviews. Now, first, we this is something that like, again, sometimes I rather just connect with with a host and the listener versus just like, all right, here's my talking point. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But for instance, something that I do love uh, helping uh, podcasters with is really assessing what is the goal for the podcast first, because there are about seven, right? And I'm going to say this not to you, but to the audience. You can do the show for networking reasons, which is how the majority of people do it. If you're a business owner, that's great. Content for your online business and marketing uh, for, you know, like your social media, all of the things, thought leadership, and that's when solo episodes come in hand. Then you have the uh, sales, lead generation, uh, mm-hmm. career changing, and also as a passion project. I like those buckets. Yes. So looking at first, what do you want your show to do for you? And then assessing what type of content you need to create. You cannot be doing sales if all you talk about is other people and you never talk about your products and services, right? Or your skill set. So mm-hmm. understanding first what the show is. And for me, my show had mul- like a combination of three. So I want to to do more to public speaking. So it was a way to, for myself, build that confidence on, you know, public speaking. I am an idea generator, so I have no need to, to, to start a podcast to create online content for my business because I already do that by default. And then, uh, like, I also wanted to engage with other thought leaders in the industry, so networking. So I do interviews with people and also like doing a little bit of uh, lead gen for my business. So warming up listeners and understanding, okay, like from all the people that are there, um, Anna is the person that I connect best with. She really understands how I want to do the show. And I understand, you know, 
who she is a prof- as a professional. So I want to work with her for the solo episodes. I am, again, also someone who's like, I don't like video. I am behind the scenes. You know, like for years, I was like the behind the microphone. You can't see my face. One episode that I will be having coming up soon is about like, actually, like I have strabismus, which is one when one of your eyes is going inward or outward or both eyes, like depends on who like who you are. And to me, my journey, like as someone who, you know, got surgery when they were like a kid, I still like that's part of one of the things that I'm always self-aware when I take photos, like, oh, these eyes like looking slowly in or in it, get in my head. So I was like, OK, what is the strategy that I'm going to use to be more visible. And I knew video was going to be something because I launched my company in 2020. Only in 2023, I finally decided to um, launch the podcast. So I started using uh, my phone and like doing uh, Insta stories. So video talking to the camera in really short snippets of time. I knew it was if it was going to be terrible, it would disappear. So I built my confidence through that. And I think it's a great tool. And then eventually I was ready to do a video podcast and um, doing solo episodes. So doing reels, doing all of these things is preparing me through time to then become a more confident public speaker, but also like creating online and teaching people. So that that was my journey. And I think that we all have our own journey and our, our own insecurities, but we we can choose how to how to look at it instead of just hiding in the corner and be like, I'll never do video because someone one time in the internet may criticize me for like not having my two eyes looking at the same time. <laughs> like whatever. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like whatever. Get over yourself. Yeah. Well, two things. One, I, I love that. I love the like the type of content or the type of podcast, whether it's solo, whether it's interview, whether it's lead generation, whatever your goal is, that kind of determines the format of your podcast. And you can intermix things, but I love that. I love thinking of like what what's the point of the podcast? What's the goal? And that helps shape the format of the episode. So that that makes total sense. And then video, yeah, let's talk about video. Do people need a video podcast? I'm a little bit like you. I started with audio and then I was like, fuck, like, I guess I got to do video. I don't want to deal with it. It's so much easier for me to sit at my desk and my mic's all set up and just start recording audio. But then I was like, you know, discoverability and then clips and this and that. And But then I don't know if the clips really drive listeners on the audio front. Do they just like the clips? And then... Anyway, that's a long way of saying like video. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it for social media and for like YouTube podcasts? Like, let me know your philosophy. Yeah. So I think that I I never push anyone to do video if they don't want to do it. Right. Like there's there's so many, so many stories of podcasters who were like, no, I'm not doing video and they are still successful. But I think it's understanding that it's hard to 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 be discovered as a podcaster on audio format only, right? Like you just have to invest more time or more resources in other things. Maybe it's guesting on more shows. Maybe it's um, paying, paying ads. So I will say video is important. Now, I will be super, super honest here. Like I, again, I did like to me, audio is the best because you can, one, there's two things. <laughs> the, the most important thing kind of like goes and splits into two. One, when you're doing audio only, you're not splitting your attention. So like I'm looking at the camera right now. I have to be aware of my body language, my positioning, setting up all the things. And two, it just takes more time. So like you have to be aware that it just takes more time. Um, and it, you if you mess up, like people will notice on the cuts, right? So that's like first, like the most important thing to, to know. Um, 
and and then second, really, like it's it's more complex. Um, you have to like like actually, I haven't done a ton of videos for social media, not for the podcast, because I was like, I don't feel it today. And so, if I was to just record a podcast episode and do an audiogram or whatever it was, it doesn't matter. Like I just kind of pulled a microphone and just do it right. Um, so it, you have to get yourself in a mindset that is like, okay, this is going to be a bit more work, right? more mentally like prepare and think about it but also just like you're you're just like it's in terms of energy it just uses more of you um and for the first i'd say three episodes i was exhausted i was talking to a friend of mine nick redman who would be a phenomenal guest on your show by the way she's a vocal coach and she's been she's an award-winning podcaster too and we were talking about that like how like you strain like you may like the way you're positioning yourself if you're podcasting you're a bit more loose on audio format but if it's video you may want to like position yourself differently right yeah and then like uh it's just your whole body and adrenaline like just changes and so you have to really be ready and i was not ready um for the amount of energy like I was so depleted after recording one episode also because I was super nervous you podcasting is you don't use it you lose it right like you can kind of start sucking as a podcast host if you don't do it frequently like it just you need to practice the uh the craft and so for for video podcasting I mean you can do so many things now like you can put your camera and you if you don't want to stare at it you can put it like slightly to the side there's ways but I'll say the future of, of podcasting, for most people, for the small business owner, I think there's only benefits to doing it on video, going on YouTube. Um, because people, there's two user paths on audio and video. Think about how you go on YouTube. You are ready. You have a question, you want an answer. doesn't matter who answers it. But on audio, on audio platforms, you don't go on Spotify and be like, who's this random podcast? Let me listen to it. So... You're just not, you're you're maybe missing out on a growth. But again, if you don't invest and in your effort and time, and I'm not talking about equipment, you don't need a ton of great equipment. Like you need good lighting. You don't need the best camera out there because if you're not a techie person, I'm not a techie person. I just have my Elgato camera that like connects directly to my computer. I don't need interfaces. Everything connects to my computer. So I don't have stress about like, oh, this is not working, whatever. So um, make sure that whatever you're putting out there is good. And that's it. Yeah, it's good. And like you said, for very little money, you can get a setup that's good enough and that you don't have to stress about that. Because I think that part of it too is like, people are, I got to get a camera. I don't know how to use a camera. But you're right. It is exhausting. You got to be aware of how you look. I wasn't going to do put stuff in my hair today. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be on camera. Or like, yeah, your background, like I just have a door, like your background's great. But those are all things to be aware of. And yeah, you don't have to make everything perfect. You could get away with some stuff. It's so funny. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine named Travis Brown. And he's like, yeah, I mean, oh, Travis, Travis you I'll follow him. him? Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's like, you know, a big proponent of video, which nowadays most people are. But he's like, the first thing people do when they wake up in the morning, they look at their phone, they scroll Instagram. Like you want to be there, even if they're not listening to your podcast per se, you want to be there. They're, they're going to keep you and your brand top of mind. So at the very least, um, you know, it's important for that, for for that awareness and that um, discoverability of just of you and, and that you're the face of this brand. 
Well, Anna, as we wrap up here, what are you looking forward to? What's next? And what, what are you excited about just in the industry in general? So I'm super excited to be focusing more on the e-learning and continuing to grow that. Something that I saw the other day was that HubSpot said that having a community was going to be a fundamental part of every brand's presence online. And so having some sort of program or a community or like a channel where your community can, can be, uh, it's going to be something that is going to be huge this year. So I want to invite everybody to think about that if they don't have it. I already have a couple of courses that provide you that. So um, I launched a course that helps you really create content for your social media out of your podcast. So imagine creating one episode and the social media for the week is done, right? Like it's called Maximize Your Podcast Content. And it does come with uh, monthly calls with me and other students to to get into the mindset of like, okay, we're like, we're a group. I'm not by myself um, on my podcast journey. But also if I'm stuck, how do I get unstuck? Um, so that's something that I have. And I do a lot of consulting on podcast power hours is always fun. Um, students come in, uh, well, students, podcasters, uh, they come in with their questions and boom, 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 60 minutes later, they're like having an action plan to, you know, get unstuck on all the things they've been hesitating about. They have don't have answers to. So um, connecting with me at thepodcastspace.com or on Instagram, I'm at thepodcastspace. Uh, and I would love to connect with people there. All right, Anna, thank you for coming on the show. Go check Anna out. Check out her Instagram. She's putting out great content. We'll link to everything in the show notes. But uh, yeah, appreciate you coming on, Anna. Your energy is infectious and it's good talking with you. Thank you. I, I appreciate you having me and I love your show. So it's so phenomenal to be here. I know I cover up my fault lines with silly putty Like the laugh's gonna make the bad shit turn to nothing But that's rubber, I'm blue All I say stick to you Trying to get close to the truth Man, I ain't 22 no more Gotta shoot for the moon Fuck if I fall on the floor I always get packed up, ask for more I'ma keep playing pain strings Till they chant an encore, do you? Don't let them push your youth through a door that they open This open wound, I'm an open book I'm a kook, shooting hoop dreams They breaking through the roof They be at the tree of Eden, trying to tear out all its roots I be aiming for a king, playing around in a booth Like this'll all work out, tell my mama I'll be cool She ain't gotta worry about her little chicken flew the coop Chicken, little near the truth, the sky's always falling down Everybody's reaching out, thinking they can grab the clouds